Hello. Hi. Welcome. It's me, Chris, aka Tumblr Rito, and Nate, aka a little teapot. Give or take an eighty-nine. Um <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Space Time Taco. Uh as always, we're here to talk about the random bullshit that comes to our mind and maybe news and entertainment news, gaming wise and stiff. Uh Nate, how you doing? I know I said this before, but you know how you doing for the people out there in the people world. I'm doing all right. Um, you sound tired. Well, I mean, uh, I would be. You have to consider. I'm now in a place with a seven-hour time difference from the U.S. It's 11:30 at night here. Um, yeah, adjusting to seven hours of jet lag isn't isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, I've been up since probably at the very least noon today. Noon um, which for sound early. us? No, noon for noon for Romania. But um, oh, it doesn't sound early. But I was also up very late last night because it was a Saturday night. There's no work. We did a bunch of tourism stuff yesterday, so <laughs> was kind of worn out from that. Um, yeah, so like I told you before we started, I went to Castle Bran. Castle Bran is a castle that sits basically on top of a mountain. So like it's a long drive out there to begin with. We had a car come get us and everything like that, which was fine. Very long drive out there. Um, and then like this steep climb just to get up to the castle. <laughs> Fun. And that's the one that you um, said they based uh, Bram, Stroker, they Bram, based Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. <laughs> Uh, that's a different version of Dracula. Um, <laughs> I see what version Chris likes the most. Um, no, it's uh, it was interesting. I have pictures and stuff that'll be up on Instagram soon. I have some pictures from a restaurant we ate at while we were there. Um, I ate bear meat. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's not Romanian. It's not a Romanian thing. That is a this specific restaurant thing. We we dined at a restaurant, which is essentially like a hunting lodge. Mm-hmm. And so they have everything from they make like all the meats you would normally get out of different things. So like boar pastrami, um, pheasant meat, uh, boar fat. And then I had two little like bear meat steaks, which were very good. OK, um, who would have guessed a bear so yeah. tastes good? Yeah, I ate bear. Um no, but otherwise everything here is is going fine. I'm here mostly for work, and that's going well. So that's all I can hope for. All right. How, how are you? I'm good. It has been uh, two weeks that I feel like flew by. I have no memory of most of the things that happened. Um, it's weird. It doesn't feel like it's been two weeks. I feel like I just talked to you like two days ago, but I know it's been much longer than that. Yeah. Um. It's that weird time of the year where, like, I feel like I haven't been able to focus on much outside of work stuff. Because uh, it's mm-hmm. it's that weird, it, it's the seasonal transition where it's like, hey, summer's finally ending. We're finally getting cooler weather, which, thank fucking God, I felt great. Um, it's so close to me finally being able to wear my Ditto cardigan that I bought, like, in January. Um, that sadly didn't get here until, like, June. Uh, all because I saw somebody at MAGFest that had it and it looked cool I'm like where'd you get that and they're like blah 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 I'm like ooh and I immediately spent money on it Um, but yeah I uh, 
you know, it, because I work in a more retail-y position, thankfully it's not like a normal retail, but it is, everything's changing over, everything's getting prepped for not only the the coming holiday months, but also uh, we have to make sure everything is ready for inventory, which everyone loves a nice store-wide inventory. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you that don't know what a store inventory is, that means somebody comes in like an outside service comes in and counts every single thing in your store to see whether or not your own hand, like your own hand for product is correct. Uh, I, without a doubt, it will always be wrong. No store is perfect. People steal things. People misplace things. Stuff just happens. Um, but we try and mitigate that as much as possible. Why am I using big words? I don't like big words. We we make work better if can. Um, My man said mitigate. Mitigate. <laughs> trash bags. I forgot how to them out. Um, yeah, mitigate's a fun word. I'll blame my friend Kyle for that. He used to use big words all the time. I'm like, Kyle, why do you use big words? And he's like, I just like it. It makes me feel more like knowledgeable so about the, things. So determine what your shrink for that quarter is going to be. No, this is we only That's, do inventory once a year. Oh, so it's just yearly. Shrink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, shrink in general is that's a daily thing for or a weekly thing, I guess. Mostly we pay attention to, but like inventory happens once a year, so it's it's straight up. We look into every single possible invoice that has been committed, every credit that hasn't been committed. We've been going section by section and doing on hand counts, and already we've thankfully. It's mostly been we have way too much of this stuff. Like we've gone through stuff, yeah. and it results in so many people getting free food. Because um, it really is like, oh hey, we it says we have ten of these these I don't know frozen meals that don't sell well enough for us to add the rest into stock. So we're like donation, um, which is great, yeah. but it also makes us wonder how the fuck we got all this shit in the first place. I know how you got all that shit in the first place. Everybody, every store, period, overstocks product on purpose. Um, I will so tell you, you now, it's, it's, that's not, it, it's weird for, because I, I think I've talked about it before. I work at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. That is something that that kind of thing does not happen as much at uh, as other stores. Because, like, you know, mm -hmm. it's all, ex ex has expirations. Um, especially yeah. when we have a shit ton of yogurt that we don't even have in, in <laughs> stock, which is like, no, we don't order this because it doesn't sell. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who fucking cares? All I know is that that's kind of been, my brain has been a little bit exploded because of that. Uh, and it's time to finally crack down on refocusing back into the fun stuff, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Which, thankfully, this last week, we got the first Kickstarter of. Uh, I don't remember if you watch it, but Kim and I um, just finished up the final season of Sex Education. Uh, so I've never watched it. Highly recommend it. Great show. It's now over, so you can watch it all. Um, Yay. Great cast. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the weirdest thing to me is that the main character is... Um, played by Asa Butterfield, who mm -hmm. is somebody that forever will look like they're a high school student. 
um, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, he is weirdly... I, I described it as if you took a high schooler but then went into Photoshop and, like, made him bigger than he actually was, he is a very... He's, he's a pretty tall guy. He's, I think, taller than most of the main cast in the series. But he doesn't look like he should be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got a case of the baby face. He does. Um... And, of course, this is also the series that stars uh, the upcoming new Doctor, Shudi Gatwa. Uh, I'm very excited for that. He is fantastic. Um, I loved his story arc in this final season. Um, I, I cannot wait to see him in so many more things. I mean, hell, we got him in Barbie. He was a Ken. Uh, he was specifically Emmy Mackey, his co- one of his co-stars in Sex Education's Ken. You know, Ken mm-hmm. to Barbie. Um, which I thought was adorable. It was great. I wonder if that's, I don't know how I like, I would love to know how he got picked out for this because like, I feel like I haven't not, I haven't really seen him in anything else. Uh, Mm -hmm. so for him to not only now be the new, the upcoming doctor, but also for him to be in the Barbie movie. I'm like, I love this. I don't know who made this decision, but I 1000% support it. (laughs) Um, yeah, Rwandan and Scottish. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, if you have not watched Doctor Who, he was in. He was a character in the Grid Legends video game. In a what? <laughs> in Grid a video Legends. Game. Oh. In, in a racing game. So before he did Barbie, he was a character in Grid Legends. Okay. Okay. Yeah, his. His other stuff he's been in before. He doesn't have a huge career, but his other stuff yeah. were a couple TV episodes and then some like niche movies. And then Barbie and then Sex Education. I love you say niche movies. The 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 uh what's it? Um my my mind is blanking blanking. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I was looking at stage. He's been a lot of stage stuff. He was fucking Mercutio and Romeo and Juliet in twenty fourteen. Which is the best character in Romeo and Juliet, mostly because of the the good movie. Yeah, it's probably the best way to experience Romeo and Juliet. Oh, absolutely! The fact that the the swords are guns. Yes. Ah, now I want to watch that movie. I enjoy his <laughs> movies in general too. I don't know if you've watched many of of because uh, that's um, fuck Baz Luhrmann. Mm. He's the guy that did uh, Moulin Rouge. Okay. Yeah. I have watched Moulin Rouge at least once. Just once. I love that movie. Well, you know. I also like musicals, so. It's musicals, and we have... We're very opposite when it comes to musicals. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... Sorry, I know, that went on a whole multiple (laughs) tangent things. Have you watched anything else that I have not? I really haven't. Um, The crazy thing about being in another country is so... Like, when I'm connected to the Wi-Fi here in the apartment that I am uh, renting out, is, um, you know, it's, it's Romanian internet, which isn't to say, like, it's bad internet or, like, it's blocking certain things off. I actually have access to a lot of stuff here, but I don't have access to in the U.S. Yeah, what's Romanian Netflix um, like? 
Uh, I don't know because I don't have a Netflix subscription. I know God damn it! Plus is different. Like all of the like action stuff through Lionsgate that Disney has done, I can see here on Disney Plus. Yeah, I think like... in a lot of other countries, uh, Disney Plus gets like a lot of the Hulu shows too. Yeah, there's a lot more on Disney Plus, and there's even like local Romanian shows produced through Disney Plus as well. Interesting. Um, or streamed through Disney Plus. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a lot to watch besides Ahsoka right now, because other than that, I'm watching One Piece, and I haven't watched a lot of One Piece lately. Um, yeah, so I'll see how it goes. I, I'm getting around to watching Barbie. Someone put it on their Plex um, for a bunch of people, so I will be watching Barbie soon enough. Oh, cool. I didn't realize you hadn't watched Barbie yet. Um, yeah, I wanted to go see it before I left. I just didn't have time. What did you, because you had a long-ass fucking flight, what did you do to entertain yourself? Did you watch anything? Were you reading anything? Uh, no, I mostly pop my earbuds in and listen to shit on Shuffle and Spotify. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, Spotify now added this discovery thing for your light song Shuffle, so I'm able to... I, I don't have separate playlists on Spotify. Like, I literally have light songs. Mm-hmm. Um... But with this discovery thing, like every third song it plays will be something new that's not already in your list. Um, so that has helped me add more things to that list. Um, other than that, I mostly ate and slept because what was supposed to be about a one or two hour layover turned into something like an eight hour layover. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was stuck in Frankfurt for quite a while. Um, but once I got to Romania, everything kind of went. It went smooth, more smooth than I expected. Um, fans of the podcast may know as I'm not the most optimistic person in the world, so I kind of expected everything to fall apart short of a plane, like, crashing on me. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting that a little bit. Not the plane crashing, you being not <laughs> optimistic about everything. Uh, <laughs> it happens. But, uh... No, the people I've met here have been, you know, excellent hosts. They've helped out quite a lot, and that's made the experience just that much more pleasant. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm. All right. Well, I guess in that case, we get to go into some two fucking meaty ass Ahsoka episodes. There we go. One for lore based kind of stuff, but the other one more for. Uh, Oh, I mean, both of them technically lore-based stuff. It was so good. Two great fucking episodes. I am really enjoying Ahsoka. You still pretty high on it, or? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm enjoying it right now. Um, you know, the the one sort of low point for me has been the whole thing with, um, well, they call them Balin, but I'll just call them Skull and Haughty because that's their last names in the show. Mm-hmm. Um. And they've kind of been a low point because um, I understand that there's like a mystery there to unravel. Like you have, you know, one former Jedi, an apprentice. Like this is like an, this is like a, uh, the word is escaping my mind, but um, this is like a baby Sith kind of thing, right? Um, One master, one apprentice, dark Jedi going around and, you know, seeking more power, basically. But it's been such a slow burn. Like, they still aren't giving up 
any details about what it is they're actually after. Well, um, uh, see, <clears throat> I kind of like maybe not so much the slow burn. I'm I'm okay with slow burns to be honest, but there's something about because they aren't just straight up Sith. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of been I don't know if it's been straight up said so much, but it it feels more like. Yes, he is no longer a Jedi. He used to be a Jedi, but he's definitely not full on. Mm-hmm. I only want this. He seems very much like he wants to find. Because <sighs> he mentioned something about the whole like balance of the the Force kind of mm-hmm. thing, and I am interested in that. Uh, I like the fact that it doesn't seem like he is like. It should be switched back over to the fully switched over to the Sith in control because it should be light and then dark and then light and then dark. He seems like he kind of wants to maybe see what power is within the full balance between the two, um, which is something yeah. that like, and we've talked about before because well, the whole Ahsoka thing being connected to the mm-hmm. representation of the light and dark side. Um, from an old ass, at this point, an old ass fucking Clone Wars episode. <laughs> um, yes. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is, if we're talking speculative, speculatively, this is the thing that, like, Star Wars fans, like, shit their pants for over and over again is, like, the canonization of the idea of a great Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, in different pieces of lore and fan fiction and stuff like that, that was always taken to meant, like, this person still is very much a Jedi. Yeah. Um, they spell about, you know, the whole truth and justice and honor thing, but they are willing to use um, some of the dark side to accomplish those things. It's kind of like chaotic good, justice by any means necessary kind of thing. Now, what if he ends up being um, a gray Sith? <laughs> well, because in all honesty, it shouldn't be Sith or Jedi. They should just be grays. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, is so. What we've heard in Star Wars over and over again, though, is that the dark side has this kind of pull to it, right? It's far easier to fall to the dark side than it is to practice and stay in the light. Um, and so it is, it's just strange to see in a Star Wars story kind of trying to find, trying to have a character that would be able to find the balance between those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, because as it has gone in Star Wars, as we've seen, the more one uses the dark side, the more likely they are to just go full tilt yeah. dark side. <laughs> um, I yeah, I ooh, I've been really enjoying it, mostly because I'm also somebody that uh, I really am looking at this, and I know everybody when they first announced this, they're like, "Don't look at it as another season of of um, Rebels." But you can't not. This feels so much, and it, it, it is because of, um, mm-hmm. oh my god, am I blanking on his name? The creator's name. Um, but the fact that it is his world, and we are playing with his characters. All of these characters are people that he created in the Star Wars universe. Um, okay, sorry, not Thrawn. Thawne existed beforehand. Ahsoka didn't exist beforehand. The entire yeah. Rebels crew did not exist beforehand. Thrawn is now canon because of him um in his mm-hmm. decisions and what star wars has let him do with the character and i think a lot of people are okay with his portrayal so far and i'm not just talking about live action i just mean in general for this the uh 
the character in canon Star Wars at this point. Um, I do like because now we're we're talking more on Episode Six than Five. Um, but when we talk about uh, multiple characters, actually in in Episode Six, because Balin kind of touches on. I made a joke while we were watching it. Um, because Balin touches on like the the stories and the the things that people say have happened but don't really there is no confirmation and all that and I'm like is he like two, he's like two steps away from calling them legends which is now what the expanding universe has been turned into um, and I'm like I love that I love the fact that those things could exist within the Star Wars universe as actual legends or like folklore yeah. and stuff. That could be pulled from in be real. Yes, I know your feelings on Kathleen Kennedy being like nothing exists. What other? <laughs> what other content? Um, but with him talking about that, and then another thing that the internet seems to be fucking going crazy on is the fact that um, oh, I can't remember the the droid's name, but David Tennant bought. Uh, starts telling a story with long ago in a galaxy far, far away. And that yeah. made everybody be like, oh, shit, is this all being told from a... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, these are all just stories. It's like, I mean, technically, yeah. They all are always yeah. stories. I, I love, there was a fan theory for years that all of this was being told from fucking uh, R2-D2's perspective. Yeah. No, it's... it's I mean, I, I do agree that, like, this is... This is a show, like, if you were a fan of Rebels, you're going to get that much more out of it, right? There's so many callbacks to Rebels. We are following the characters from Rebels. Um, and so if you were a fan of Rebels, this is just going to have that much more for you. Even with that, though, it's still a good show as a standalone. Um, you're going to miss some some backstory elements between mm -hmm. the characters and why these characters are so important to one another. But just the performances that the actors put out kind of give that to you anyway. Um, you just, like, even if you knew nothing about, you know, Sabine, Thrawn, Ezra, um, you would still know by the time you got to where we are in Ahsoka um, that these are characters with a deeper connection to one another than the show is really letting you explore, mm -hmm. honestly. Um but uh, no, that the first episode of the last two was was impactful for many reasons because, um, well, here I'll just put the spoiler label right here. <laughs> um, we we see Anakin again um, in this vision that Ahsoka has, and he is trying to teach her some kind of lesson. Um. I believe this lesson, at least from what I remember and what I saw, was um, that, well, of course you see Anakin sort of fall and pull towards the dark side. It seemed like this was less of a vision from the Force being like, hey, um, you know, bad things or good things are going to happen, and more like, you need to start using more of the dark side to accomplish your goals. Um See, I was seeing, I think, from what I've seen, it's been more of, um, it was like a combination of making her realize that she was more than just mm -hmm. a tool of war, 
but it was also for Anakin to make it almost kind of comfort in himself to make him sure of the fact that he also was not just that. Um, because if you look at his, it, Anakin's storyline in his, through his life, through his living life, um, was basically, he started to get training and then boom, now you're a warrior. You have to fight. You were a fighter. You were a fighter. This is all you were needed for. Then by the time that war ends, he had already been literally turned into a killing machine, um, in the form of Darth Vader. Uh, but that is not what he was. It was basically like, that is not all I am. If that's all you are, that's all it, it, it was almost him it, it, with Ahsoka telling her if all you are is a, is a, uh, um, I want to say warrior, soldier. but a soldier, that's the word. My mm. brain could not remember the term soldier for some reason. Um, if all you are a soldier, then that, what does that mean about me? That means all I could have been was a soldier. And I, it was, it felt like it was a making her feel better by also making himself feel better. <laughs> but, you know, for a good reason. Because um, he died sacrificing himself. So. Yeah. I mean, that makes more sense. Um, the other thing is, I mean, by this point in the Star Wars timeline, I mean, Darth Vader's out there. No, still existing in some capacity. Wait, um, hold on. You're breaking up a lot. No, sorry. It's this Wi-Fi. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> what were you saying, though? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point in, in the Star Wars timeline, while Ahsoka is taking place, um, you know, Darth Vader's still out there. He still exists. The Empire has not... Oh, no. No, he's know, not. Fully... Oh, no, wait. That's right. We're talking yeah. after... Okay, never mind. This is still after. Um, yeah, this is why we're able to see him, because, mm -hmm. or part of the reason, because, and that's another thing. It for me at least, uh, episode four we talked about, but um, it ends with her being where she is. But in episode five, we one hundred percent get her and Anakin experiencing things mm -hmm. in the. I think it's called the World Between Worlds. I always forget the name of it, which is very integral to Ahsoka's story in general, because if not for the existence of the world between worlds, Ahsoka would be dead. Um, yeah. Because this is, it's the one time it's ever been confirmed and used, but there is a form technically of time travel canon in the universe. Yeah. People get upset well, about it. It has never been used otherwise besides this, as far as I know. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, well, the person that saved her is, uh, you know, uh, fucking Ezra. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I also love the attention to detail here. I, I gush about lightsaber fights in Star Wars all the time. Um, but there's... If you know anything about lightsaber combat as it's been written down in Legends Extended Universe and all that other stuff like that. Um, that comes through in the lightsaber fight they have in the World Between Worlds. Um, and so the the funny thing about Anakin like not wanting to only be a soldier is he was kind of he was kind of perfect for that role. 
um, as as it goes in in some of the books and things like that. Anakin is extremely like physically strong for his age mm-hmm. during the Clone Wars, um, and so that comes through in the way he fights with his lightsaber. He practices a form that most Jedi wouldn't, and um, it's really just strength based. It's like it's less like fighting with a sword, more like trying to beat your opponent by treating your lightsaber like it's a club. Yeah. <laughs> and that comes through in their duel to the point where Ahsoka reverts back to that because that's how Anakin would have trained her. Um, even though she uses two lightsabers and normally uses a form that's more acrobatic and fluid, she reverts back to that just to be able to defend herself mm-hmm. from Anakin. <laughs> um, and so I like those little attentions to detail that they put in there. Um, I also like the way that her headdress has changed now <laughs> um, from the time she was a child to when we started Ahsoka to now a whole new headdress um, after that episode. Um, so I like it when my characters in shows change their clothes, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I, it's I, even, it's funny because technically what she's mm-hmm. wearing now is where we left her the last time we saw her in Rebels, which is, kind of been a stick not a weird sticking point but um mm-hmm. people have been talking about the the slight retcon of that cuz in the end of in the end of rebels the last like the epilogue where we got a recreation of that in one of the first couple episodes of uh Ahsoka um she meets with Sabine and Sabine joins her and she's already wearing this basically this exact outfit that she wears by the end of episode 5 mm-hmm. um so it, it's, it's interesting. I like the idea of getting to see that build and to see her finally hit that that point in her life, I guess. Because um, mm-hmm. it, it's funny that we get more exploration of her when there was an entire fucking animated series that we could have gotten so much more. And we did. We've gotten so much more expanded of her life um, between the entire final season of Clone Wars was mainly focused on her and her life outside of the Jedi um, Jedi Order because she had left at that point. She leaves earlier on in the series. Um, and then we get a couple of episodes focusing on her in... Uh, oh, I can't remember what... Tale of, I think it Tales of the Jedi? Whatever the, the yeah. Disney original... Yeah, the Disney Plus original series. Um which I thoroughly enjoyed. If you have not watched that, definitely go check that out. It gives gives you a lot more for characters that it it's nice to have more story for. Uh, specifically, Dooku. <laughs> Dooku deserves so much better. Um, and I've seen yeah. there's there's have you seen the the recent like uh, cut battle between um, Anakin and Dooku? Oh yes. Yeah, like the fact that there was all that and we never got that. All we got was him getting snuck up on and basically be like, all right, you're dead now. No, um, well, I I do enjoy that. You know, I enjoy these episodes. I enjoy that we're getting this backstory, especially for Ahsoka as a character. Um, But then we come to the last episode that aired, and this is kind of... I guess you could say this is this is leading up to what will be the climax and finale of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because now all the threads are kind of coming together. Um, so, you know, the big hyperspace ring flies to the faraway galaxy. 
Um, meanwhile, Ahsoka is in the... Well, before that, Sabine was on the hyperspace ring because she uh, decides to not destroy the map and let herself get captured. Um, also, she can hopefully find Ezra. Yeah, also she can try to find Ezra. Um, and then, of course, Ahsoka is in the, um, the Star Whale, um, traveling to the same planet in the same faraway galaxy. Um, I think they're called so, the Purgle? I always forget. I believe so. They keep calling them Star Whales in the show, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Purgle, yep, P-U-R-R-G-I-L. Yes. Which um, we haven't seen in a very long time. Actually, that's a lie. We saw it in another series or a movie or something. Oh, yeah. I think we see a brief appearance of them in, um, is it Kenobi? Yeah, Kenobi. Yeah. yeah. In anything else? No, just, oh, in Mando. In the Mandalorian. Yes. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know. After they get from the hyperspace ring, they take a shuttle down to the planet. They meet the Night Sisters, who apparently have been waiting there. Like this is supposed to be the ancient home of the Dathomiri people. Which got him um, so like I know Kim and I talked about it. Kim hates mm-hmm. the fucking Night Sisters. They are perfectly fine with never seeing them again. Uh, I, on the other <laughs> hand, fucking love that shit. I love the weird ass fucking shit. So oh yeah, well they, you know. While they're waiting for Thrawn to return, they send um, Sabine off and put her in a little cell. Um, but then we finally do get the return of Thrawn, the one thing I've been waiting for so long in this show. Um, Thrawn is one of my favorite Star Wars villains. Mm-hmm. Um, but we finally get his return, you know, Star Destroyer and all with a whole new group of stormtroopers. Um, some people in the 40K community have referred to... Uh, the one with the golden mask is Dante at home. <laughs> there's a character in 40K who has a helmet with a golden face like that. <laughs> so that his um, actual name, I believe, is Enoch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so it's Enoch in the Night Troopers. Mm-hmm. Which so, uh, that's just a cool fucking name. Well, it's a cool name because it's also. You know, you look at the way they are. These are probably some of the best-looking Stormtrooper variants we've got in a very long time. And it alludes to, like, I'm sure someone in the background is questioning, like, well, you know, how did Thrawn and a bunch of Stormtroopers on a single Star Destroyer survive being flung to a whole different galaxy for so long, right? And it's, you know, the power of the Night Sisters works in mysterious ways is the explanation for that. Um, so in this episode, specifically with the, the, uh, the night troopers, uh, Kim has been calling them, uh, Kintsugi troopers. Uh, cause yeah, in pottery, it's when you, they have broken pottery amended back together with gold. Uh, and that's what these guys look like. And it looks fucking incredible. Even the ship itself, the chimera, um, Mm -hmm. is the same thing. You see major parts of the ship that are just gold. Uh, spread throughout it, and it. Uh, whoever did the fucking design for these things, these these are like you deserve all the fucking money, um, all of them too, you know, <laughs> fairly and stuff. But you guys specifically, bonus, bam. Uh, <laughs> well, later on, um, speeding through a lot of events, basically, a deal is struck with Thrawn um, by Sabine. 
um, who is let go to go find Ezra. Um, and this is very much all part of Thrawn's plan. Like, Thrawn does want Ezra, like, dead or gone. One of the two. <laughs> um, and so he is kind of using Sabine to that goal. He's like, hey, yeah, here's all the intel on him. Go find him. If you're not mm -hmm. back by the time we leave, peace. Um, <laughs> but uh, then, of course, he also sends uh, Balin, his apprentice, after them as well. He's like, I gave you the, I gave her what I agreed to, which was the opportunity to find Ezra. Yep. Um, so, and I do remember, like, once I heard that line, I went back and I listened to the to the scene with the deal again and i'm like oh shit he did say that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah this is this is a character that is incredibly specific with what he says and plans everything out he there was no way he wasn't going to specifically say you know mm -hmm. didn't say it's actually but, gonna happen <laughs> um but with the help of some uh well with a hiccup on the way she fights some some bad nomad dudes takes him out and then gets the help of um, cute little hermit crab aliens. I love these guys. Oh, I meant to look what they're called. Mm. Hermit crab aliens, Star Wars, Ahsoka. <laughs> Let's see what these things are called. Nope. Motherfucker, why are you being a bitch? <laughs> Do they not? I don't. The Noti. The Noti. N O T I. Okay. All right. All well, right. these guys, you know, take Sabine back to her village, and that's where we finally see him in the flesh for the first time since the very end of Rebels. Um, we've got a bearded Ezra. <laughs> uh, and this is where, for years, years, you know, we've had Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3 prequel bullshit. People always joked around about being like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, I have now been seeing people be like, what people think Jesus looked like, what pe Jesus actually looked like with, <laughs> with Ezra. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah, but it's, it's a very heartfelt moment, of course, between Sabine and Ezra. I, I enjoy that they don't start it off with like this, this tearful, like, hey, I finally found you kind of thing. They start by like bantering back and forth, like they did when they were in Rebels. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's very much these two people really behave like their siblings, more or less. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, towards the end of this episode, we know Ahsoka is still very much on her way, about to arrive, um, and now we've got this sort of almost four-way battle going on going on um we've got the two i'll just call them dark jedi for now and, and balin and his apprentice um we've got sabine and ezra who are one side of this we've got thrawn and the night sisters of course who are very much like thrawn wants to get back to the main star wars galaxy so he can kind of revive the empire as it were and then we've got Ahsoka, who's on her way here, who is, of course, going to do what she can do to stop Thrawn, but is also going to be very, very upset with Sabine. <laughs> <laughs> um, because Sabine did the thing, did, like, the one thing that she was not supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
this was very much like you had one job, Sabine. <laughs> um, but I'm, yeah, it's going to okay be interesting to see how all those how all those threads kind of tie together in the climax of this. Um, you know, would I love to see Thrawn actually return? Would I like? Here's here's the thing: is I would actually like the bad guys to or the good guys to fail at the end of this. I would like to see Thrawn return in full and start like his whole campaign to revive the Empire. Um, one, because that could lead to an Ahsoka season two. Hmm. Um, but also because I just love Thrawn so much and I don't want to see him lose. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say the, the biggest quote unquote issue with Thrawn's return in the rise of the re-rise of the Republic Um not the Republic, the, uh, whatever. Bad guys. The Empire. Empire, thank you. Brain broke. Um, <laughs> is the canonicity of a certain sequel series that some people would love to just <laughs> not exist and other people are indifferent about. Um, because Throne can only get so far without it playing in or getting in the way of what does happen later on. Because it really isn't too much difference in time. Because, okay, let's see. Uh, how long after original trilogy is sequel trilogy? Okay, 30 years. 30 years. We are at this point about just about 10 years after um, the Battle of Yavin. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, I don't know. There, there's plenty of time, I guess, they could play around, pretend things didn't happen, or just make it happen <laughs> in another place. I mean, we've already had mm-hmm. the rise and fall, technically. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's not dead. Who he, they, People never fucking die in Star Wars, as we've learned, sadly. Um, we could have the return of, uh... My brain is blanking on Mandalorian main bad guy. Oh, the one that has Mandalorian main bad guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, played by fucking Breaking Bad guy. You know, when I'm thinking of things, the words don't come to my brain. If anybody else is rem- trying to remember, um, Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, you're talking about uh, yeah, Moff Gideon. Yeah, Gideon. That's it. Um, I should have thought of see or of uh, Scott Pilgrim when I'd been fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, Moff Gideon was something that happened. That was a whole side villain that was trying to rise to power within the w- the remnants of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, while everyone else was looking for Thrawn, weirdly enough, um, somebody that in only live action Star Wars wasn't really a known person. Um, so people like me and you and other uh, cartoon fans were like, oh, they said the name. They said the cool name. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I I think it could work out. I think we could get a nice Thrawn as a main villain for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The only issue with Thrawn, I think, is he is so smart. Mm-hmm. Uh like the thing that caught him off guard 
was somebody doing the dumbest fucking thing possible. That is how Thrawn loses. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is Thrawn is, is this kind of master planner, but he's so stuck in that, that he cannot account for, you know, extra variables Mm -hmm. basically. Um, the only way to really beat Thrawn is to do something entirely unexpected that no one else would have ever thought of. Yeah. Like, literally the way that they beat him in Rebels is like, who brings space whales <laughs> to a fight? Yep. <laughs> um, and it's, it's something he space can't Jesus, like. that's who. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, what is he going to do? Um, you know, you only got so many turbo lasers and there's a lot of whales out there to shoot. So <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just interesting to, to kind of speculate on how this whole show will wrap up, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have two episodes left. Um, and then we go right into, I think it times out. Hold on. Let's see. Wait, come here. Where are you? There you are. Uh, yeah, we got one on the third. How the fuck? Oh, 26th and then the third. How is it already fucking almost October, man? <laughs> um, which, so yeah, it ends on October 3rd. Literally two days later, we get Loki. Loki two, season two starts up. As well as season two of Our Flag Means Death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out how to watch that in... Uh, Europa. I'm just gonna say some <laughs> random pl- every place every time. Uh, Istanbul. Yeah, so no, I'm north of Istanbul, but there's a train from here to there. So not Constantinople. Um, no, it's no longer Constantinople. Long time gone. <laughs> yes, but um, <laughs> no, it is. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how this wraps up. I think. Once again, you know, Dave Floney and John Favreau have as showrunners have kind of knocked us out of the park. Absolutely, uh, um, everything. The care. I, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just it's just the care that they have for Star Wars, the attention to detail that they put in these shows, um, has really come through and made Star Wars a better property overall. This is, I mean, I would I would like to say at this point we can thoroughly say that. You know, the sequel trilogy has been redeemed somewhat. Um, because I, after the end of that, I honestly thought, before I started hearing about all the shows and stuff coming out and Mandalorian and so on and so forth, like, I thought, like, after that, Star Wars was just a dead property. Like, yeah. no one would want to touch it outside of things like maybe a comic book here, maybe a novel there. I did not think Star Wars would ever have this kind of resurgence, and I'm glad that it has. Yeah, it turns out they just need to make. Uh, TV shows. Let us live in the world. Don't force us to... Uh, I've talked about this so many <laughs> times. Star Wars works best. And yes, we have had a little bit of it, but Star Wars works best when it is not focused on the fucking Skywalkers. <laughs> <laughs> Original trilogy? Incredible. Yes. Are there downsides? Mm-hmm. Of course. One, it's old as fuck. Two, the third movie was okay. Um, <laughs> prequel trilogy 
we the love we have for the prequel tr- trilogy is 100% because we were the target audience. Sure, growing up you realize, ooh, yeah, rough, super fucking rough, but some really good in there. Same thing with the the sequel trilogy. There is a lot of good in the sequel trilogy. As adults, mm-hmm. did we fucking hate it? Yes. We hated that last movie. Some people hated the second movie. I'm pretty sure everybody was pretty even on that first movie. Um, because it really mm-hmm. was just Star Wars again. Uh, yeah. All of it there is good. All of it we love things from. But most of it, in my opinion, at this point, the, my love for Star Wars has grown as much as it has and has continued to grow as much as it has because of the the live action stuff, but more importantly, the animated stuff. If it weren't for Clone Wars and Rebels... I wouldn't stop being a Star Wars fan, but I would not be as excited for Star Wars to continue. Um, there's been so much that is set up within those universes because of the animation that I'm like, do more of this. All of this. All the time. Tell these stories. Tell these long, drawn-out arcs that don't need to be wrapped up in three movies, which basically equates to maybe... So, what six to nine hours depending on how fucking long movies are nowadays um <laughs> yeah let let us live in these worlds let these characters grow and change and have actual arcs that aren't constricted to just movies um because like i feel like you know them more like when everybody in with the sequel series it's like oh man luke skywalker is nothing like luke skywalker used to be i'm like motherfucker we saw him three times he went from a whiny little boy to a slightly less whiny little boy to a boy that was now a man. Yeah. His father was a whiny little boy that stayed a whiny little boy through his entire life. He died a whiny little boy. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. That's a lie. Anakin died a whiny little boy. Darth Vader died a man. Um, his progress, his progression just took a little bit longer. Uh, Darth Vader is a robot pretending to be a man. The most mature Skywalker isn't actually a Skywalker. She just took the fucking name at the end of the year, at the end of the series. That's a lie. You know what? Uh, uh, Leia is the most mature, but she also technically, while yes, a Skywalker, she wasn't using that name her entire life. Uh, (laughs) That's really the only thing that doesn't. Yeah, who chooses to be part of that family? Right? That's the most dysfunctional fucking family ever. Look, if if someone showed up on my doorstep tomorrow and was like, hey, did you know, by the way, you're a Skywalker? I'd be like, get the fuck out. Go no, away. I'm not. I disown. <laughs> disown my family. It's like, no. Do you understand how much shit this family has put the galaxy My through? My name <laughs> is Sandrunner, okay? I am <laughs> Nate Sandrunner. I refuse to walk any skies. The only skywalking I'm going to do are skate shoes. Earth sprinter. Earth sprinter. Ocean diver. Uh, (laughs) uh, Man, it just in general, we got, so we got two episodes left. We're excited to see where this goes. Um, The one last thing I will say is more of just a funny little joke thing that people have been posting online back Either this, I think it was last year or the year before that, um, when the when Dave Filoni was talking on stage at one of the big events, um, talking specifically about Ahsoka. They were wrapping it up, and uh, he made a joke, being like, "Oh man, 
didn't have enough time to tell you where Ezra was. Uh, and everybody, like, the crowd is going, no, what, no, ah. And then they're like, he's like, okay, I'll tell you. He is far, far away. And then the episode <laughs> he fucking returns in is called Far, Far Away. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, whether that was planned or not, I fucking love that. Um, knowing him it, at the very least, he saw somebody mention that in uh, interview with him and he was like, let's fucking name that episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Where do we want to go from here? Like I said, not a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, well, Nate. Okay. Let me get through one game. The one game I've been playing, and then you can talk about the game I should be fucking playing. I haven't been because I'm still just playing Minecraft. Fuck you. Um, it's my it's my stress relief game. Uh, but no, I uh, after wanting to play it for a while, I finally got around to checking out Solar Ash, which is visually very uh, hyper light drifter kind of style, um, like the visual content of it at least. Uh, I believe, is it made by the same people? Hold on. Solar Ash is made by... Yeah, Heart Machine. Heart Machine are the people that made Hyperlight Drifter, and they are making... I believe they have a third game coming out soon. Yeah, Hyperlight Breaker, which is the actual full-on sequel to uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Um, but Solar Ash, is it's a uh, third-person game. You are basically running around... Uh, Actually, you're skating around. It's more like skating around this world that is being sucked into basically a giant black hole. Um, worlds are being corrupted and eaten, uh, and you are trying to escape. Uh, and you do that by going to specific points and like stabbing giant eyeballs. Uh, and then after stabbing enough eyeballs, you have to engage and basically it's it is hyper stylized neon uh shadow colossus it's the best way i can describe this game and i absolutely fucking love it um i'm so mad i waited <laughs> so long to play too long to play it um wait did i not actually no no yeah it came out wow it came out december of 2021 um, on PS, PS4, PS5, and Windows, uh, it is now on Game Pass. Uh, I believe it went up on September 14th, which actually makes sense. Um, but yeah. I played through, I've been playing that. Absolutely love it. I think it is great. Um, highly recommend. There is an option so you can walk or, like, you can have it so you're walking and you pull the trigger to go into, like, the faster skate mode. Um... There is an option for that to be a toggle. I highly recommend doing that toggle, or your finger is going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> it's so much better. The moment I'm like, there's got to be a toggle. I played for like 20 minutes without that by just holding the trigger down, and I'm like, there's got to be a toggle. There's no way that they mm -hmm. made it, so you have to hold this down. And I opened up, and like one of the top options was like, do you want it toggled? I'm like, yes, please. Never, ever make me have to hold this controller like this again. Um <laughs> But yeah, it, it highly recommend it. I didn't beat it. I think I get maybe did two of the stages, um, and then got hungry because I realized I was playing a game for way too long. 
a uh, whole bunch of little collectible things. There are hidden um, pieces of outfits, basically, or armor. Um, they don't actually, I don't think they actually do anything besides change your character design. Um, Mm-hmm. But a beautiful game, great flow to the gameplay. Like I said, you're you're literally skating around uh, and killing things. Um, a lot more, uh, I know I said comparing it to Shadow Colossus, but there's a lot more actual attacking than there was in Shadow Colossus. Um, and I, as yeah. far as I know, all of these creatures are going to be massive. They aren't going to be little, little dudes. Um, mm-hmm. It is a lot faster game pace, or yeah, get a faster pace than the like slow climb of a Colossus. Uh, you really are like running and grinding on pieces to get from one end to the other end, so you can stab it through its eye. Um, and it really is; it's just a giant eye that you're stabbing with your weird little needle sword thing. Um, yeah, definitely recommend it. Only single player, beautiful game, sounds great. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it besides the fact that I love. I'm a big fan of Heart Machine. I loved um, Hyperlight, Hyperlight Drifter, and I am very excited for the next one. Um, and hopefully I'll get back to finishing this one up too because it's fun. It's just fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and of course, like I say all the time, it's on Game Pass. Fucking play it on Game Pass, man. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I, anything on Game Pass, I'll I'll give it a try. Why not, right? Even even if it's a game that I'm like, it's a genre that I normally don't like, I'll sometimes be like, what if this is the one? Mm-hmm. It never is, but you know, what if? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's always going to be hit or miss. Um, All right, Nate. Well, you've been playing a game that I really, really need to get back to. <laughs> yeah, well... So when I when I started playing Starfield again, I actually started a new character, um, and this is because I felt like what I was doing previously was rather aimless. Like I was doing every little side quest that popped up on my radar just to see where they would lead. Um, this time around, I focused. I did some side questing, but I focused mostly on the main quest. Um, and I've had some more fun with Starfield in that regard. Um, the game definitely picks up pace if you start just focusing on that main quest line. Um, You're not really wandering around and getting involved in things that don't make any sense at that point. It's kind of, the game has a more natural flow to it. Um, When I said it's a Bethesda-ass Bethesda game, I still mean that. It's still Mm -hmm. very much a Bethesda game. Um, If you were to take the Skyrim map and overlay it with the star map and Starfield is still very much the same thing. Like here are places you can go. Um, but it's also like here where the major cities are. Here's where the content actually exists. Um, they even said a lot of the, there, there are the worlds that exist and will exist for everyone. And then the other ones are like generated worlds Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff is procedurally generated, but at the same time, like, they're, the, the game's uniqueness that s- separates it from older Bethesda titles is kind of the ability to make your own content. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can go to, you know, just about any planet at any time, assuming your ship is well-equipped enough, um, and just land on that planet and start looking around at stuff. Um, 
the ability to set up outposts and things like that. Yeah, that's still reminiscent of things like Fallout 4, but it's not just here is a place that we've put on a map that's supposed to be a settlement and clear it out and you can settle there. It's, okay, I'm on this planet, it has resources I want, and I want to automate the extraction of those resources. I will put an outpost here now. And that could be any any planet that you're capable of landing on. Yeah, I've seen um, posts because I don't really know what the outposts are. I don't know if there's like a mm-hmm. eventually you hit like a um, tutorial mission or anything about it. Um, but yeah, I saw no, some really people don't. talking. Oh, really? I was going to say I saw some people talking about like I set up a a uh, outpost that is constantly giving me a shit ton of money. And I'm like, well, I need to look into these outposts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is a way, of course, to kind of get rich off your outpost. Um a lot of people are using them specifically for shipbuilding. There's a shipbuilding platform that's a part for an outpost you can create, and that gives you kind of access to not all but most of the parts that you would normally have to fly around the galaxy and talk to people at different star yards or ship manufacturers to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just makes shipbuilding that much easier. Shipbuilding is probably one of my favorite parts of the game right now. Um, it's, it's reminiscent of that Armored Core feel where I am putting something together um, in a certain style to accomplish a specific task. It's just with Starfield, you have a lot more flexibility. I have to worry about, you know, do I want more cargo space or do I want less weight? Um, and you are, you're playing you know, on Xbox still? Yeah. Okay. So I attempted to do something with the shipbuilding, and it just, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> um no. I mean, there's there's two primary ways that you're going to get in the shipbuilding, and one of them is a simplified and just this upgrade thing. So you mm-hmm. talk to one of the technicians at a landing bay, and you can literally just pick a system, which will be like one of your three weapons, your engines, your grav drive, and your reactor, right? So just pick one. You'll click on the upgrade menu, and it'll give you a list of options. Like here, what would here's the things that would be upgrades to what you currently have, mm-hmm. and you just select one, and it costs you that much money to have that thing installed. Um, the way that it works, though, is nothing is finalized until you decide to back out of that menu, and then it says, hey, do you want to finalize these changes? Um, and then, of course, you can go into the actual ship builder itself, where you are choosing individual parts to attach to certain nodes on your ship. Everything is very much snapped together, and it's going to tell you, like, you can see pretty clearly, like, this thing can snap to this other thing. Mm-hmm. I think it might be because I was doing. I, I've been playing PC and it just it doesn't feel mm-hmm. right to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I've just been having a little bit of issue with that. I guess in my head, the way I want to build a ship is like you build a ship in your gummy ship from Kingdom Hearts, uh, and it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't feel that easy. Uh, I feel like I have to put more thought into how I'm placing. It. I'm like, no, wait, I don't wait, no. Um, so well, who knows. You- I'll tell you in Starfield, you really don't even have to put that much thought onto it. You need a couple, a couple pieces to make your ship actually viable. Like you need landing gear, you need engines, you need a bay for loading and unloading. You need a docker so that way you can attach to other ships and space stations. Um, and then you'll need a grav driving a reactor. You can fly a ship around in this game with no weapons if you want to. They're not essential. Is <laughs> uh is the the uh, glitch or Whatever is still part of it, where if you don't have a center of the ship, they can't hit you. That's just the way the AI is programmed. Mm -hmm. Um, The the AI ships are very much programmed aimed for the center of your ship, so if you build a ship without a center in it, they tend to shoot right through you. 
Um, cool. It's, it's it's a funny thing to do. It's not the most practical way of building a ship in the game. I can tell you that because I've yeah. tried it, and <laughs> the number of say like one by one hab units or structural pieces you'll need just to make that box shape is going to cost you quite a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, that and you're losing out on things like the ability to have, you know multiple engines for a faster ship or more cargo space if you want it. Cargo space is like a commodity in this game. Um, one of the things I would recommend when you get into shipbuilding is look for ways to increase your cargo space as early as possible. Um, because you're going to get a lot of resources um, and all of a sudden you'll get that over encumbered notice and it'll sap your oxygen. It'll, you know, you're just going to have a really bad time walking around mm -hmm. <laughs> um and then you can no longer fast travel while you're encumbered either so that makes it a pain in the ass oh i didn't realize that okay yeah. um no i was playing for most of the day today until one very annoying thing happened so one of the things that i wanted to try was actually stealing an enemy's ship and so I kind of randomly jumped around to different systems while scanning planets just to see if I could find one with a specific resource I wanted on it. Mm -hmm. And I came across some, you know, mercenary ships. And they just, they were like shoot on sight. They weren't waiting for me or anything like that. They were yeah. very much just trying to kill me immediately. <laughs> so I took out two of the ships and then I used, I have this um, disruptor on my ship, which is a type of weapon that does electromagnetic damage. And so I disabled their engines, which then allowed me, of course, to dock with their ship. Now, mind you, I steal their ship, and then all of a sudden, I hear my crew members saying that they're mad at me. And I'm like, what's uh... going on? I stole an enemy ship free and clear. I didn't attack anybody innocent. I didn't do anything thing wrong to them. And this happened to me in my previous playthrough before. Like, one of them got angry at me, and then I realized it's because I blew up a ship that was considered friendly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I steal this ship, and I found out that even though I checked the cargo hold and everything for it, it had contraband on it somewhere that I did not, I didn't explore the ship thoroughly enough to find yeah. this contraband. So I flew back to a settled system because my idea was, okay, I have a ship that I'm not going to use. I want to sell it because that's a lot of credits I can get. And of course I get captured and everything like that. And when you get captured on this particular planet, it actually opens you up to a whole new sub quest to do. Oh, okay. Um, but when I got back to my ship, every single one of my crew members was mad at me. And the problem with Starfield is what happens when a crew member is mad at you is they'll like, they'll huff and they'll puff and they'll be like, I can't talk to you right now and so on and so forth. And then you go and talk to them and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I can't believe you did what you did, so on and so forth. And literally dialogue options will be like, okay, what are you mad at me about? And they'll be like, I can't believe you don't know what I'm mad at you about. <laughs> so did you ever find the out what they're mad at you about? Well, that's the thing is they're never going to tell you because... In, uh, I realize that all the ways they are programmed to be mad at the player character, they couldn't account for in their dialogue options. Mm. So it's very much like every character is like, I'm mad at you. And then you're like, hey, what are you mad about? And every character goes, you know what you did. You know. <laughs> and, and sometimes you're like, honestly, I really fucking don't know what I did. Um, <laughs> and the only way to kind of keep them around is to pass persuasion checks against them. Um, to make them no longer mad at you, or they stay mad at you for a certain number of days, whatever that may be, or they may leave your crew entirely if your relationship with them is bad enough. Jesus. Um, I'm used to that. This made me reload my game to a save, an auto save I had from hours before that point. 
Oh no! Um, <laughs> before I you even stole the ship. Yeah, way before I stole the ship. I was that's in the of a yeah, man. Quest. You gotta. That's the thing about this game. From everything I've seen, don't just do an auto save. You gotta do like actual hard saves multiple times. Yeah. Well, I was quick saving a lot up before that, but then I got immersed enough that I kind of forgot about. Quick yeah. Saving. Um, and um, but I guess all in all, what I'm trying to say is there's there's a lot of things that are unique about Starfield that do make it separate from Bethesda game. Yes, it still has all the hallmarks of Bethesda game design. Um, but there's a lot more to this than what I initially thought. Um, you know, just having an entire galaxy to explore, it's kind of like I'm playing... It's honestly like I'm playing Mass Effect if Bethesda had made Mass Effect at yeah. this point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it's it's still a fun game in its own right. It can be if you let it be. Um, you just have to find a play style that kind of works for you. I found people who completely eschew the main quest. They go and meet you know the people at Constellation for the first time, and they're kind of like, I don't want to be a part of this. And they go and they find something else to do in the galaxy. Yeah, um, That can be done, too. You're going to miss out on some cool stuff, uh, mostly freaky space powers, but um, <laughs> but you can do that. Um, I, I am looking forward to at least completing the game once, and like most people have said, like you said before on the podcast, like the new game plus is where things really kick off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm mostly looking forward to that, but uh, that is to say, my, my initial take on Starfield was rather negative. Um, I have kind of warmed up to it at this point. Awesome. Uh, yeah, like I said, I need to just get back to it. I I just haven't had time to focus on something like that. It is definitely a world that I want to get fully lost in. Um, I mean, I am already lost in it. I, I, I still haven't gotten to like where I was going that last time. I'm like, I went to the wrong planet three times on purpose. Um, <laughs> so I just have to get back to that get back on track try i want to try and get like i said mainline it and uh get to that end game just so i can then explore um because everything i've heard is it is so much better to do that uh so i don't know i'll get to it eventually right now i've got too much to do in these these modded minecraft packs man uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we only really have like two newsy, super newsy things. All right, where's my thing? I lost track of my notes. There they are. Um, three newsy things. I forgot about the one. Uh, one is more of a fun thing that now that we're hopefully getting closer to. I say hopefully, and by hopefully I mean hopefully for the writers and the actors, because um, fuck the studios. Uh, we are getting closer to some some movement on that. I know the writing, the WJ and the uh, Go Fuck Yourselves is what I'm calling the group of studios, um, are supposed to be, or were supposed to meet again today. Um, of course, the Go Fuck Yourselves basically said that this is our last and final offer, um, which is obviously bullshit, because all the WGA has to do is say no, and then stay on strike, and then eventually they will have to come back and be like, we lied. Here's a, an offer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, uh, because of that, get, hopefully coming closer to an end, 
um, more recently, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has talked about how when the, the strikes are over, she was going to basically put in her bid and campaign to play Dr. Kareha in season two of the One Piece adaptation, live action adaptation. Um, this is something that, like, for years we've kind of known she's wanted or joked about wanting to do. Um, mm -hmm. When first asked, she originally said if she could play anybody, she would want to play uh, Robin. But she was very honest about being, like, obviously a different stage of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, she. Yeah, uh, no, don't you dare! I love, I love Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, nah, fuck you, fuck you! I don't know who I want to be for Robin, but we talked about that. That is, Chopper can be a Muppet. Let Chopper be a Muppet. You don't fuck up the Robin casting. <laughs> but no, Jamie Lee Curtis for Kareha. I think that'd be great. I think she would be fantastic. She is somebody that does love the show because of um, her child. I can't remember who. Um, is it Ruby? I want to say Ruby. Why does that sound right-ish? Jamie Lee Curtis kid. Yeah, Ruby. Yay, I was right. Um. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that's cool. I love I love actors that seem that passionate about characters. I mean, last time I I can think of somebody that wanted to play a character that badly was fucking uh, Ryan Reynolds. So, <laughs> and you know, Deadpool worked out. Um, what? Were you, is there some? I was. What do you think? Do you think that's good? Are you happy about it? You're the one that put yeah. it on the fucking list. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, Here's I'm the fun happy thing because of. The way, what? No, no, I was letting you finish. Okay. <laughs> well, what I'm what I'm happy about is the way she's she's approaching all this sort of, you know, fan excitement for her to play this role. Because mm -hmm. um, she she put out a tweet very much saying, you know, once this is actually settled with a fair contract, um, that she would lobby for the role, and this actually prompted a response. Um, Matt Owens, who is one of the showrunners, um, said that they had already made her an offer for this and that there would be no need to lobby. Um, <laughs> says, once we get what we deserve and get back to work, let's talk. So, like, he's excited for yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis to possibly be in that role. That's awesome. Um, so it's it's almost a given at this point that she will at least be made a solid offer for the role. It just has to... We've got all this, you know, Writers and Actors Guild strike stuff still going on, and they need to settle that beforehand. Shit, you know what? I just realized another thing that I've been watching that I did not put on the list at all, but only because I didn't know if you were going to watch it or not. Um, we are, like, seven, six episodes? I don't know. I lost track of counting. I don't count episodes. Fiona and Cake is back. It is existing now. They started it on HBO or uh, sorry on Max which is the official sequel series to Adventure Time um and it is fucking incredible <laughs> uh I just thought about it just because of um I don't know there was something you said that made me think about it uh it's great I highly recommend it if you ever loved Adventure Time go watch Fiona and Cake 
it's the best follow-up series to an animated series since um I can't think of anything. What else is a good sequel cartoon series? I can't even think of one that exists right now. Um I guess Samurai Jack Part Two. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, technically, there is another sequel series to Adventure Time too, with uh, Forgotten, not Forgotten Realms. That's a whole other thing. Fuck, Strange Lands. I don't know. There was like a multi-part specials. There was like four specials or something like that. Um, which Jesus Christ, all of all, most of them. Three out of four of them, like, emotionally hit really hard. Uh, the last one that they did with Peppermint Butler was just okay. Um, but they specifically had one that focused on Bimo. They had one that focused on Finn and Jake after they fucking died. Uh, and one that focused on the best queer couple in... Second best queer couple in animation. Second hmm. best? Yeah, second best. Because the first best is uh, Luce in, in Amity from... Al House, go fuck yourself if you think otherwise. Um, but no, yeah, highly recommend that. Sorry, I it completely slipped my mind because I feel like I'm the only one that is talking about it in my in my group yeah. of friends. Um, nobody else likes Adventure Time as much as I like Adventure Time. <laughs> uh, in my group of friends, yes, Internet, I understand you love Adventure Time. Fuck you, I do too. <laughs> uh. What man? People get picky about like you. Li- I-, I like a thing more than you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like I no fielding content where I try and show people luxury comedy, and I'm like, I think this is great, and they're like, What the fuck are you on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, all right. Beyond that, let's get back to one of the last two news stories. Um, awesome news, fantastic news. We'll get into the whole thing. We got season 10 of Sea of Thieves coming out. Um, Two of the things that have been announced are interesting. We got guilds. They're now going to be pirate guilds. Uh, Captain pledges a ship, letting up to 24 players join together and borrow one another's vessels and cosmetics, even when they're not online, sharing milestone progress along the way. That's great. I love that. I, just in general, I love the love and care that still goes into Sea of Thieves. It must be doing well enough for them to focus on this. But in general, I, I Sea of Thieves has been one of those games that I wish that we had the time and money to put into this game. It is so fun. Um, obviously, the thing that makes a lot of people stop playing or not want to play as much, uh, we'll get to in a second. Um, another thing they're adding is competitive questing. Players can to add that that players compete to collect Skull of Siren Song artifact components, with the objects cursing the ship they're on board and broadcasting those players' locations across the seas. Just a, a fun new quest thing that they're doing. Um, I'm mm-hmm. interested in seeing if those artifacts actually do anything or if they just get sold for really large bounty. Um, but most importantly, in my opinion, and something that I've been excited for. Safer Seas. Play Sea of Thieves alone or with friends in a session devoid of competing players with a max rank of 40 and reduced rewards due to lessened danger. I'll take reduced rewards if it means I don't have to deal with motherfuckers rolling up being like, yo, we've been playing since day one. Give us everything you got. <laughs> mm. you know, it's, it's not even... 
Again, it's not really even people playing against day one. The problem is the Sea of Thieves is very hard to play without a full party. Yeah. Um, people have told, you know, I've seen people, of course, like they're single players. They play it on, you know, the smallest vessel, a sloop, and they do just fine. But, you know, when you know that you're rolling up to a port to try to offload the stuff from your cargo, things that you've spent, you know, sometimes hours questing for. Yeah. Um. And you know that they're just people waiting on that island, not even really on a ship. They're just waiting there to, you know, shoot you and steal your stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, difficult to keep playing the game when you're investing hours for zero reward. Because even even when you do have a full party, um, if you are like somebody that doesn't play as often, if you aren't as coordinated when it comes to attacking, I guess, um, the problem with the respawn in that game is it's not like it respawns you on, on your ship a little bit further away your ship stays there and you continuously respawn on your ship until they sink your ship which gives them enough time to just keep finding all your shit taking all your shit uh Mm -hmm. eventually you might spawn in the open ocean and just have nothing to do except for ask for a mermaid to take you back to land uh but yeah uh i think that's a great idea i it's weird that it took this long um but i think i'm okay with it you know it's something that I think we've wanted for a very long time, especially because it's not just solo. It is, we can do a group of friends. It could be two, three, four people, whatever. And we're just fucking around, not dealing with other people. Um, I like they even include, uh, in the Kotaku, Kotaku article, they mentioned that, uh, it also lets solo minded players explore its vast and beautiful world without the social anxiety or awkwardness of running into other people. Um, and I, I guess I never thought about that aspect of it. Not only having to deal with the offensive side of it, but just if you want to be alone or you feel awkward about other people near you kind of thing. I never thought about that aspect for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love that. It's probably the good. game that has gotten the most love from Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... I mean, it's good to see that it's still growing strong. I don't think anyone expected it to, you know, last as long as it did to have the player base that it does this late in the game. Um, but they they just keep putting out updates and content for it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it is... Uh, it's interesting to see. It's great that they're finally adding things like single player. That social aspect is a big one for me. I do not like talking to random people online, but that's because... You grew up in a certain area where, or a certain era when online play was in its infancy and things were not, not that kind to really anybody. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why if you play solo on live games, you really don't want to have the in-game audio coming from any other players. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, funny too uh... because like one of my favorite experiences of. Uh, it sounds so stupid, but one of my favorite experiences of playing Sea of Thieves is my ship being stolen and me being killed. Uh, and I, I think I have the clip saved somewhere still, but it was early on streaming, and it was just me playing by myself. And uh, as they were jumping on my ship and taking stuff, I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to beat them. So I just pulled out my hurdy-gurdy and played music for them as they took all my shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, that's 
sometimes you just have to find the fun in a game like that that is so PvP focused. Um, yeah. But I am glad that they are still offering that ability now. I get that there's reduced rewards. Some people, of course, are like, well, you just need to learn to play the game with other people and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't really consider that there are people out there who really just, you know, I don't want to sit down and play the game with, you know, a random crew of people. Yeah. Um, all my friends are adults who have have jobs and lives and so when i want to play with them i'd rather just be a thing that we do to escape from the pressure of the real world rather than force a whole new type of pressure on ourselves by playing a game where we're wary of literally everybody else in a server yeah um, so it's it's great uh, you know more power to microsoft more power to rare for for keeping up with this and finally adding the one feature that we've been begging for for years all right nate before we hop into this massive fucking thing, uh, shit that we don't have really much time to talk about, um, is there anything else you want to bring up before we went into the to the big the big meaty, or as we have it in another thing, the big Yoshi big news? Uh, no, I think it's I think it's time we tackle this this monstrous event. Yeah. Me. Monstrous event. I mean, I think it happened. I can't remember when it happened. It was either this past week or the week before. All I know is that I woke up to this news happening. Nate was probably just falling asleep. Um, <laughs> and a lot, a lot came out. Uh, some of it, most of it, let's just put it this way. Most of it doesn't really matter. Um, it really is just an interesting look at a company um, and how things work. Uh, but... With the ongoing Microsoft versus FTC uh, trial, um, I guess technically it's just documents in general pertaining to that, uh, there was a huge leak from Microsoft who sent in as a PDF documents that were eventually made public that did not in any way redact or hide certain information. Um, and we got right over, I'm still in Kotaku, we're going through the, the what they call the 11 big reveals. Uh, and we're just going to go in the order that they have them. Which, in my opinion, the first one is the the funniest one. I don't know why people get are getting too, like, serious about it. Uh, in a leaked e one of the leaked emails, um, <laughs> Phil Spencer talks about how they considered and talk about possibly buying Nintendo. Uh, as well as... Steam or Valve uh, in Warner Brothers game, but everybody obviously is more focused on the idea of Microsoft buying one of the big three in the gaming world. Uh, this is not something that it's never going to happen. Um, it's something that Phil Spencer said it would be like the high point of his career if he was ever to make that happen for Microsoft to own Nintendo. It's never going to happen. Japan or uh, well, Japan in general, yeah, is very much like, fuck you with that kind of thing. They're not going to be like, an American company buying <laughs> out us? No. Um, but Nintendo in general has been such a, we do our own thing and we aren't going to let anybody else change that kind of company that I could never, ever see that happening. Um, it's funny because there was a point in time where I talked about what if Nintendo, and this is the Wii U, this is the Wii U time, we didn't even think that the Switch was a thing. When the Wii U was happening, I was like, Nintendo should, in my opinion, go the way of Sega, stop making consoles, and just continue to make incredible games 
but on other consoles. Um, mm -hmm. It's so funny to me that however many years after the moment, the year the Switch came out, my brain did a Switch and I'm like, no, Nintendo, keep doing this. This is perfectly fine. <laughs> Xbox, put all of your games on other consoles and, you know, if you don't want to make a console anymore, don't. Just have Game Pass available and everything, um, which is more of what Xbox seems to want to do. Um, they want more yeah. people in that ecosystem, but just the the fact that there are so many people being like, "Oh, how fucking, how fucking, uh, oh, shitty of Microsoft to think they could buy Nintendo." I'm like, this is something that all companies, all of these bigger companies, do. It's not saying that Microsoft thinks that Nintendo isn't worth what they are. The funniest thing is this happened, I believe the email happened right around the time of COVID when everything kind of skyrocketed for Nintendo. You couldn't find a Switch anywhere. You couldn't get anything because everybody was buying it because it was the best option. You could play uh, Animal Crossing. Perfect release time for that game. They planned it. Je Nintendo did COVID. That's what we're trying to say here. Uh <laughs> um. No, but no, seriously, it's 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 funny uh, that people are like being as serious about this as it, as they have been. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it's ever been something that you should you would ever think could ever possibly happen? I'm saying ever a lot. I don't care. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> no, I don't think it's ever going to happen, and that's because I mean the way that Phil Spencer wrote this is he, um, well, he says he speculated that the Japanese game giants could become more open acquisition offers in the future due to changing pressures on its board of directors. Um, and I get it. Like, okay, your board of directors is made up amongst your top shareholders in a publicly traded company. Um, but I feel like when it comes to Nintendo, they make it known to their investors up front what kind of company they are. Um, they are very insular. They want to do their own thing. And they want to specifically be in the hardware and first party games space. Mm -hmm. um, they, no matter what it costs them, because let's be honest, it is costing them. They could make just an absolute insane amount of money if any of their first party properties ended up on other consoles or were available in PC, right? Like, who doesn't want to, you know, own, say, an Xbox or just a gaming PC and be able to play, you know, Mario titles and stuff like that? Um, of course they do, but Nintendo has this sort of ethos where they are like, no, it has to be on our hardware, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so everyone knows what they're getting into, um, when it comes to Nintendo and, you know, I'm sure Phil Spencer and Microsoft have all the money in the world to throw at them, but they will never, they will never fold <laughs> Um, I feel like there are people at Nintendo who are very much like, I will go down with this ship. Um, and they would quite literally just scuttle all of Nintendo before letting another company buy them out. <laughs> all right. Well, next thing on here um, is more of a Bethesda leak than anything. Uh, back in the early days of the uh, purchase of Bethesda by Microsoft, um, there was a future roadmap, basically, for Bethesda saying what games they were working on. Um, and this included, obviously, the big names like, excuse me, 
big names like Starfield, like at the time Redfall and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Most importantly, though, I'd say most importantly, what could still be happening, we don't know. Everything's up in the air. Uh, obviously, Elder Scrolls Six was on there. We already knew about that. Not at that time, but eventually. Um, but remasters of both Elder Scrolls Oblivion as well as Fallout 3 uh, were on the list as well as a sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo, which a lot of people questioned because of how it is was received. Again, remember, this was before it was out. <laughs> um, as well as Dishonored 3 and uh, some unannounced Bethesda games too. More like no names attached to it, um, uh, but it did include like other things that we did eventually find out about, like Indiana Jones, uh, but as well as a new Doom called Doom Year Zero with plans for DLC in the future as well. Um, the two names, and this is on a different website, sorry, you don't see that right now, Nate, um, but the two other games that haven't even had a name attached to it were Project, Project Kestrel and Project Platinum. Um, as well as the Indiana Jones game actually being billed as the first of a trilogy of games, uh, which is crazy to think of because nothing Indiana Jones ever does well anymore. Uh, um, <laughs> but no, I, I the fact that, and it has been rumored, and it's funny because there were rumors of the Oblivion in the Fallout uh, remaster before this even happened, so that even adds more flame to those fires. Uh, it also makes it really seem like they even say in this article that Elder Scrolls has not happened for a while. Um, unfortunately, uh, that's the one downside to how big these games are getting. The time for development is so much longer. Um, weirdly, not enough sometimes. People are they're still dealing with, with uh, crunch and all that within these games. But who knows? I don't know. Who knows what of this still is happening? Are we actually going to get a Dishonored 3? As somebody that absolutely loves Dishonored, uh, the Dishonored series, I would love <laughs> to get a full trilogy. I, ju I just want a trilogy. I don't need anything beyond that. Give me, like, the end-all for this universe kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even remember. Did I beat Dishonored 2, Nate? Do you remember? I don't, I don't, I don't I either. I still haven't beat it. <laughs> I know, but you played it the dumb way. <laughs> Yeah, it did. Um, no, I would. I think the most exciting news for me coming out of it, though, is the possibility of something like an Oblivion remastered. Yeah. Right. Um, Oblivion, far and away, is my favorite Elder Scrolls game. Um, I, I love everything about it from the fact that, yeah, you can have proficiency in your skills, but if you just keep using blunt weapons, you'll level up blunt weapons. If you swim a lot, you'll level up athletics and so mm -hmm. on. Um, and there's no like menu to go into where it's like, oh, let me assign skill points to this stuff. It's just very much, oh, you did this thing a lot. Now you are better at that thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I, I enjoyed the gameplay of it. I enjoyed the stories that were in it. The arena story in Oblivion, even though it's a short one, is an incredible one. Um, and just that world, being able to explore that part of the Elder Scrolls universe, Tamriel, um, kind of makes you feel like you were walking around like everything that was would be described to you in a Lord of the Rings book. Um, it's just an amazing game overall. Um, you know, with this acquisition of Bethesda, who knows what's on the horizon? Um, 
you know, they, they were kind of thrown into Microsoft in, in particular was thrown into a bit of a panic realizing that Starfield was not going to make holiday 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very much scrambling to find out what they were going to use to fill in the gaps there. Um, but, you know, remasters of these older games would be great. They're, they're a great way to let, you know, people who are fans of those games experience them again, but also to possibly capture a whole new audience with remasters. There always is that chance. Um, and then, of course, the saddest news out of this is Elder Scrolls Six may not be seen for a while. But, yeah, yeah. I know, think we expected that, though, at this point. I, I expected it. I mean... As as big as as ambitious as a game like Starfield is, um, you know they've got they've set that bar even higher now for Elder Scrolls Six, right? Um, and so you know who knows what's coming down down the pipeline for this? Um, I mean, I guess this is just another funny thing in that set of leaks, right? Is that we are getting an insight into kind of all the planning. Um, that Microsoft does as a company, but then also towards specific publishers or developers that it owns. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like there there probably is someone sitting in a Bethesda office now going, like, great, these leaks are out. Um, so, you know, next week, are we doing Dishonored 3? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find the specific thing... So I was going to go instead of because they kind of break other parts down a little bit more. Um, because w- one of the things that was leaked was basically a breakdown of their idea of how much certain games would cost to bring to uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, I don't know why I'm not finding this anywhere. It's been a while. A lot of the documents have been kind of pulled from the Internet. Uh, obviously not completely because that's how the internet works. Once it's there, it's there forever. It's more of like if you had it at one point, it might be a little bit harder to find now. Um, but within that, you kind of get a combination of two things. Uh, one was that uh, Microsoft expected a Red Dead Redemption 2 next-gen refresh. So bring in the Red Dead Redemption 2 to Series S and X as well as um, most likely PlayStation 5 as well. Um, this obviously did not happen. Could it still be happening? Who knows? Um, but they basically had a, a price attached to how much, I believe it was five, five, not thousand, five million a month to put it on, uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, as well as a much lower amount, it was basically five million expense to get, Baldur's Gate 3 on Game Pass. This was before the game had been launched. Nobody had really gotten their hands on it. Um, In their opinion, they described it as a second-run Stadia PC RPG. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, this news came out. Obviously, Well, one, Baldur's Gate 3 came out and became most people's game of the year. A shit ton of people love this game. It has been doing great. Congratulations to Larian, the team at Larian. Um, But... Obviously, there were some people after this news came came out being like, I can't believe Microsoft didn't believe in Baldur's Gate 3. How Mm -hmm. dumb are they? People from Larian themselves came out and said, everybody underestimated this. Um, Nobody expected this game to be as good as it was. Uh, They even said that it was the same thing with um, uh, 
Oh, what is? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Divinity Two, same thing. That's crazy to me. That like (laughs) two things, two games now for them. They're like, yeah, nobody thought it was gonna be good. It happens. Those are the best stories. Nobody expected it, and then it does crazy. You know why? Because they didn't have to spend the money on marketing. (laughs) Well, they didn't spend the money on marketing. Um, But on top of that, I mean, it's just it goes to show, you know, that unfortunately these these larger players in the industry have a tendency to underestimate the sol- smaller players quite a bit mm-hmm. um and the fact that and, and here's the ironic thing is you know we've got this we've got parts of memos from um this leak from Phil spencer himself saying that um triple a game publishers kind of you know they lost they kind of lost their way. They did not transition on digital platforms as effectively as they could. And so now they are scrambling um, and making risky bets on large properties and making large investments towards those properties, you know, mm-hmm. huge triple A projects with tons of marketing behind them, you know, all the stellar stuff we used to see at E3. And now we're seeing at things like game awards, um, you know, essentially fueling the hype train as much as possible for every project they put out. Um, and it's a gamble for them because not all these games are amazing, right? Like I'm sure Ubisoft is feeling the pain, realizing that, you know, the last couple of Assassin's Creed just haven't had that charm. The original, you know, few did. Yeah. Um, that by the time Watch Dogs three came out, really no one who wasn't a fan of Watch Dogs kind of cared about it anymore. Um, you know, so they're they're taking these big bets on these projects, and it's interesting to see him say that on top of also looking at someone like Larian and saying, oh yeah, your game is this, you know, it's a Stadia PC RPG. <laughs> um, and there's just, just to know how well Baldur's Gate did, not just financially, but also critically. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's kind of insane. Um, Could you imagine if they had, like, decided, they had seen something that made them be like, you know what? Let's go all in. Let's go all in on this game. Um, obviously, it wouldn't have been because they, unfortunately, aren't going to get it immediately. It's going to be a little bit because they are still making it work. So it works on both the S, works on the S and X. Um, but that is a limitation mm-hmm. that Microsoft kind of put on themselves. But yeah. rightfully so, because, and that's right, I'm just leaning right into another thing. Uh, at the time, in 2020, three quarters of Xbox gamers had a Series S. Uh, three quarters of console owners had the all digital version in the in the less powerful version of the modern Xbox. That is not hard to believe, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, not hard for me to believe either. I mean. One, you're already play, paying a lower sticker price for the console, and two, um, you know, the, the gaming world is digital now. People just want to be able to get their games on demand. Um, they do not, you know, they don't really care if their console has a physical disk drive anymore. Yeah. And so I, I'm not surprised at all that, that most people, and in this case, overwhelmingly most people, had a series s over a series x <laughs> uh now obviously more like they say more recent data suggests that it's gotten closer to a 50 50 split um but even it even me um as a mainly xbox gamer gamer um 
I got the S because I wanted the S. I didn't see a need for an X, but that is solely based on the fact that I mainly PC game. Um, Having the S for me was my original intent for the S was to have it as my living room console. I wanted a game where if I wanted to play on on the living room TV, I could play it whenever I wanted. But more importantly, it was there for Kim to be able to play uh, Portal and Spyro, which, you know, every once in a while they like to play through Portal again. And, you know, it's nice to just have that there without me having to be like, oh, let's you come downstairs, you come to this room. I'll set it mm-hmm. up for you kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I love it. I've always loved my S. I can't remember. Do you have an S or X? I have an X. Okay. Um, um, I, I, I did this whole thing when I was in my hyper fixation about building PCs where I kind of tricked myself into being a hardware snob and um, looked up the hardware specs between the two. Um, bottom line is okay, the GPU in my X has more VRAM than the one in your S. Does it actually make a difference with the games that are optimized for these consoles? Absolutely not. (laughs) So (laughs) I spent $100 more for like two more gigs of VRAM on a a graphics card. Isn't it $200 more? Or $100, sorry. Um, Um, Speaking of consoles, yes, I'm jumping around. I lied. I wasn't going to do it in order. Mostly because some of them aren't that good. Um... They kind of yeah. broke down like the smaller things into multiple stories. I'm like, I eh, don't come on. Um, but speaking of multiple consoles, um, there is a possibility of the mid-cycle Xbox Series X refresh um, mm. being an all-digital console, and kind of looking like a router. Well, uh, they call it. They call it. Right now, the code name is Brooklyn, spelled with an I. Yep. Um, I'm just going to call it the tube, because that's the what tube. it is. It's a tube. It's the <laughs> Xbox. We had the refrigerator, and now we have the air freshener. Um, we went from the cube to the tube. Cube to tube? All right, I'll go with that. Cube to tube. Um, yep, this will still be the most powerful Xbox ever. Now, a adorably all digital? I don't know who wrote this shit. Um, Marketing people just... Put words on stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, the image shows uh, you know the new cylindrical Xbox. I will post these. Oh, you know what? I can't post these because I can post these. I can't post it in the video because of how my screens are currently set up. That's um, fine. I can, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, um, I meant for the general public, Nate. Jeez, whatever. Uh, Screw it don't matter. Wow, <laughs> I care about you, general public viewers and shiz. Um, we'll go through some of the breakdowns here. Updated technology, all new Southbridge. I don't know what these words mean, Nate. Um, better Wi-Fi and Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Yeah. Blue, Bluetooth. Yeah. Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Wi-Fi. Better both of those. Six nanometer die shrink. So they're putting a new processor in it. Um, it'll have two terabytes of storage um which they are also in the already announced um black version of the series s will also have two terabytes of storage which thank god wait is it two terabytes it's either two terabytes or a terabyte i don't remember uh same great price is still gonna be 4.99 um there will be a usb-c front port with power delivery which is great uh i like the design everybody keeps giving it shit i actually kind of like the look of it um i mean 
it looks like what I would most of the people were comparing when the Series X launched to like the kind of mini ITX computer someone would build. Mm-hmm. And most mini ITX PCs kind of fit that form factor anyway. It's basically a rectangular thing that you're shoving components into. Um, and you're building these mostly for space saving, not necessarily, say, yeah. thermal performance you would get out of a larger case. Yeah. Um, um, they break down like the more sustainability. Mm-hmm. Uh, reduced PSU yeah. power by 15%. New low power standby mode is 20% of the current XSS standby mode. Mm-hmm. Increased use of PCR on housing, greater than or two greater than 30%, uh, and 100% recyclable pla- packaging. Um, which you know, good for them. That's something that they kind of go into. It, Xbox is two of the like one, obviously much more important technically, but mm-hmm. with them going with accessibility. Awesome. I love that. I also like the fact that they have kind of been working with a more sustainability and eco-friendly kind of aspect on certain things, uh, yeah. including, I believe, controllers that are fully made from recycled plastics. Um, speaking of which, mm-hmm. uh, there is a new controller along with this, uh, and that looks like your normal controller. Um, I believe it's more of a... the Because it's got that little... The half-pipe... Um, D-pad, which is is more of the the pro model. What's the the super yeah, expensive it's, controller it's, called? <laughs> it's, it's elite the pro controller. elite um, controller. Yes. So, but was, dipped in plastic <laughs> or rubber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it looks like half of this controller was plastic dipped. It's <laughs> it's kind of I, I like it. I'm a fan. Uh, I showed it to our friend Lou. He was not a fan of the design. I'm okay with it. If a controller would wear pants, this is what it was. Oh, oh God. Like. Um, <laughs> let's go through the breakdown on this guy. We got sustainability, do good, feel good, rechargeable and swappable batteries, recycled materials and less resin, repair and disassembly. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't actually see that one originally. Uh, durable and reliable, new modular thumbsticks, improved longevity, continued build improvements, uh, which I guess if you buy it first, it doesn't really matter when that continued build improvements. Mm-hmm. That just means someone later is going to get a better one. Um, <laughs> approachability. This one is kind of, I'm getting mixed feelings on this one, but the engage into light, lift to wake. So there's going to be... Uh, I will never. I hope that I can turn that off because I can't tell you how many times I've sat my controller down only to knock it off of something later. Stop! Where are you so, putting? What are you putting your controller on that you're knocking it off of? <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of surface area to put things down. So okay. I'm gonna send you a. I'm gonna send you an Amazon link. The, well, like I'll trip over the cable or something like that, and it'll get knocked down. And mm-hmm. if I have this lift awake thing turn on every time I do that, it's going to turn on my fucking Xbox. <laughs> okay. Uh, familiar Xbox feel, same ergonomics as Merlin. What the fuck is Merlin? Is that the Merlin was the code name for the previous? Controller. Okay. Uh, same layout and activation forces. Uh, SELE XDL options as expected. Um, don't know what that means either. Mm-hmm. I can look well, into that later. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more to go over here. I mean, yes, it has Bluetooth. It has all that. Oh, yeah. I haven't, no, I was going to run through it, man. Come on. Jeez. Okay. That's well, the go ahead. Ubiquity. You got Play Anywhere, Xbox Wireless 2, Direct to Cloud, Bluetooth 5.2, which is great. You can use it with your your phones because guess what? Mobile gaming. Yeah. Uh, seamless parent switch, new boat mobile app features, see paired devices in cloud, manage devices, accessories. That's actually nice. Um, 
in immersion. We got the precision haptic feedback, VCA haptics doubled as speakers, which I had that on PlayStation controller, and then a spider hissed at me, and I threw my controller across the room. Um, accelerometer and quieter buttons and thumbsticks, which, as somebody that has played Xbox for years, this, this shit, this is not quiet. Give me quiet <laughs> buttons, please. Um, Bro, I, I'm worried about how they achieve the quieter buttons and thumbsticks. Because if they achieve them with the the cheap option, which is to use you know silicon membranes, that gives you a very squishy feeling. For your I like squishy. I, I don't. I hate it. <laughs> um, but um, I'm mostly interested in the thumbsticks. Um, because something that... That I've kind of looked into um, is finding thumb or finding controllers for Xbox that use what are called Hall effect sensors in them. Um, so your typical average controller would use potentiometers, which have been in controller technology since like the DualShock Two came out. In this new thing, this um, is the thing that people are talking about that helps reduce um, drift, right? Well, it helps reduce stick drift because. A potentiometer is basically a thing that, by design, will wear out over time. Mm -hmm. um, a Hall effect sensor is, I mean, the simplest way of putting it is your thumbsticks have magnets in them that determine where they're positioned at all times. Mm -hmm. So unless you, like, physically break one of those magnets, it will always return to zero. Um, <clears throat> and there are some controllers that use Hall effect sensors, but they're mostly third-party controllers, and they're all wired, of course. Um, the only first-party controller that uses Hall Effect sensors is the Elite Series 2. And I have an Elite Series 2, but that controller, besides the thumbsticks, has not held up to my usage of it. Okay. Um, so I would be I would be thoroughly pleased with this controller if they did something like that, despite the weird the weird my controller is wearing pants design. Um, <laughs> How would you know, controllers wear pants? I'm I'm interested to see what they do with both of these pieces of hardware, right? Um, the the concern, of course, over in all digital consoles, again, is games preservation. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they have to push new hardware regardless. Yeah. Like, how, Xbox is not going to survive without additional hardware. Yeah. Speaking of... Their next Xbox and future hardware. Uh, Microsoft sees its next Xbox as a cloud hybrid machine. Um, slides projecting, and I'm just reading directly from the article right now. Slides projecting the future of the Xbox platform indicate that Microsoft is very much looking to the cloud uh, to help power its post Xbox XS console, for which is looking at a 2028 release. Again, 2020 happened. Who knows? how much this got pushed back. Um, Microsoft describes such a machine as a next-generation hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deeper immersion in entirely new classes of game experiences. Um, cloud gaming, oddly enough, a huge sticking point for everything going on with the current fight with the CMA in this uh, purchase, the current um, Activision purchase. Uh, weirdly enough, their way of getting rid of that being an issue is to sell it all to fucking Ubisoft. Whatever. Um, but the fact that Xbox believes in the cloud this much, and as somebody that has great experience with cloud gaming with Xbox, and even 
even with um, fucking Stadia, uh, rest in peace. Great idea. Gaming-wise, like actual playability, in my opinion, execution really well done on both ends. Obviously, Stadia had, Stadia had its own issues, couldn't grab that market. Xbox, it's basically just something we have. It is something, as Game Pass subscribers, we get to play around with. Um, now, Nate, have you really explored that too much right now? Not really. Um, the The problem with cloud gaming for me is, well, one, I'm in a place with not the most reliable connection. Um, I've got a single Ethernet cable currently going into my Xbox, and that's it. Um, luckily, the router that was supplied for me where I'm staying um, also works as a Switch. Um, a Nintendo Switch? No. <laughs> but... Um, no, I, the, the issue with cloud gaming for me is it, it is, by its nature, always online gaming. There is no way you can take the cloud gaming offline, right? Um, you must install that game to some kind of physical media and able to be able to do so. So it's interesting that they're calling it a hybrid machine because that kind of alludes to the fact that there will be some internal storage, but if they sway towards cloud gaming, that ultimately means probably less internal storage. I think um, I'm looking at it more of... Think of it like... Because obviously the way Stadia worked was you just you were basically using space. It was like, oh, I'm playing this game. This game I own, it does not exist on my console, but some computer somewhere is playing it, running it for me, and sending it to me. This sounds more like it could be, I own this game, it is on my, you know, quote-unquote, quote, physically on my console. Um, and that could be, you could still have discs, but it could be instead of, all right, we downloaded this, patch that's as big as the disc itself um mm -hmm. instead of that your game is initializing it the base game itself is on here but the majority of the heavier processes are being run from the cloud we are dealing with that on the back end so your console mm -hmm. isn't putting in that work yeah and that may be good too i mean it could even have potential to lead to just overall cheaper consumer physical hardware right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why why are we laughing nate when I'm are just, they gonna give us a discount on games come on <laughs> i'm saying cheaper hardware as in consoles themselves I know, I'm just saying, you really think that they're going to look at the savings that they would make on their end and give it to us? Microsoft no, Microsoft just... has been really good about their gamers, trying to give us as much as they possibly can in looking at us in like a service, servicing us kind of thing. But they still want that money. <laughs> I mean, yes, they still want their money, but it's... It's a cost-benefit thing, right? Is if you move to cloud gaming, that means that you get to basically charge people more to subscribe to whatever service you're going to launch cloud gaming on. Yeah. Right? And we know that, you know, anyone making gaming hardware these days, especially console makers, are selling those consoles at a loss. They're making up that on the back end through online services and just video game sales in general. Um. <clears throat> When I say cheaper consumer, like hardware, the physical stuff that you actually buy and put in your home, um, you know, if you take all the processing power out of it, all the graphics processing power out of it, all of that stuff, 
and you put that on the server side as opposed to the client side, that means that you could end up with a cheaper box in your home to play these things on. But ultimately, yeah. Oh, I might have lost him. Long term, you, you're paying. No one's still here. All right. Well, part of that disappeared from the record. Um, <laughs> okay. I, we knew where you were going. I'm sorry, Nate. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Again, it's, it's next connection. I was gonna say, can you put the can you hook your the Ethernet directly into the laptop? I could, but I've got, like I said, I've got a single Ethernet cable right now, and it's it's kind of far away from me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll figure that out another time. Um, well, yeah, really, that is the main big things from this whole leak. I know I said 11. I probably didn't go through all 11. I definitely didn't go through all 11. Uh, the last one I'm going to touch on is just more of an entertaining thing. Uh, it's described as Microsoft accidentally got a Sega exclusive. Um, and basically, what happened was the Xbox Series S and X got um, the RPG Like a Dragon on their on their consoles, but not on the PlayStation 5. And this happened to be because there was some other agreement that Sega had already made that resulted in Xbox getting it and PlayStation not. And I just think that's fucking hilarious. Um, for a series that the basically the entirety of the series is on PlayStation. Uh, and now it is a majority of it on Xbox. Uh, and even further than uh, further down the line, we're getting more coming to Xbox. Uh, let me actually tell you game show. What did they actually announce? I'm forgetting. Yeah. Um, just last weekend. Last weekend? Whenever the fuck this happened. Time means nothing. Uh, Xbox at the Tokyo Game Show announced that... Uh, we were also going to be getting Dragon Gaiden, the man who erases name, on November 9th. Uh, Dragon Ishin on Xbox in later this year. Uh, and I believe the last one, the new new one, is coming. I don't know if it's coming directly to Game Pass as well. But basically all the Like a Dragon games are coming. And I think that's fucking hilarious to me. Um, since it was something that was not on Xbox for so long. And now all of it's going to be there. Uh, other fun thing about this in general, though, they did announce um, two things. I somehow jumped to a completely different news story just because, you know, Tokyo Game Show wasn't really that big. It was mostly just, hey, here's some Game Pass games we're getting. Um, one of them, which I didn't even realize was happening, I don't know if it was announced ahead of time, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy is coming on September 26th, which... What the fuck? That's a goddamn Nintendo DS series. Why is that on Xbox? Uh, I think that's great. Um, but on top of that, we also got the announcement of the newest game f that is basically a co-written game. Hold on. Grasshopper developer hard game, I think is what they're calling it. Hold on. Hold on. Let me find this. No, no. God damn it. I forgot what it was called. My brain's breaking. Hold on. Because I know who worked on it. Alright, let me just go to Suda51. 
Alright, Suda, you have a new game. Hotel Barcelona uh, got announced, and I believe it is also got it got announced for Xbox specifically. Um, just a fun looking motherfucking game, man. It's supposed to be hard and in, influenced, uh, but it's it's be made by Suda Fifty One and Sweary. Sweary is best known for uh, fuck I. Deadly Premonition. Sorry, brain was not working today. Obviously, Pseudo Fifty One is known for Lollipop Chainsaw and No More Heroes. Um, two yeah. really interesting games. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it is a two point five D slasher film parodic action. Uh, and it really is. It's a basically a little side scroller, uh, almost. I don't want to say souls like it feels like Metroidvania. It it look when you, when you look at it, it feels Metroidvania e, um, with massive boss mm-hmm. battles and stuff as well. Uh, but that got announced at the same time. All Xbox coming to Xbox. Uh, so yeah, lots of Xbox stuff. This was a very Xbox heavy um, news week. Week two weeks. Because uh, we already did what. Right, last podcast was all the Nintendo shit, right? Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Time has no meaning, Nate. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> all right, well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to our favorite segment, and vice favorite, I mean the segment that I always forget up until the last second, um, of the podcast? <sighs> mm, no, I don't think so. All right, well, in that case, it is time for No Context Recommendations. <laughs> and I'm doing a little dance. Nate doesn't see it, but he knows I'm doing it. All right. Nate, I know what mine is this time, so I'll just go ahead. Don't have to fuck around in any way. Uh, uh, my no context recommendation is Superland. That's S P S U. Whoop, fuck. S U P R A L A N D. Superland. No context. Superland. All right, Nate, what about you? Yeah, I didn't really have one. <gasps> with you. Oh. But, um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So coming off the top here, I guess. Um, this is going to be very hard for anyone to pronounce or spell because I don't see an English title for this anywhere. Um, let me see if I can find an English title for it real quick. It translates to, what if I had a thing for my stepsister from another universe? I don't know. <laughs> oh, we're not really bringing um, it up, but I goddamn know. Mortal Kombat 1 looks horrible on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking horror show. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess there's no English title for this, but... The title is Yansha Gal no Anjo-san. That's it. No context, no nothing. Man, I'm pretty good at spelling Japanese names. Huh, yeah, there really is not a... uh... I mean, there's technically, it's like Naughty Garu Anjo-san. 
<sighs> Again, Nate, you in? <laughs> not not going to talk about it. Not going to bring it up. It's not porn, or is it? It's not porn, but you know, porn adjacent. Porn adjacent. <laughs> we'll talk to him. We're having a therapy session soon. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thank you for joining us on another episode of Space Time Taco. As always, if you like what we do, if you see what you hear, our beautiful, wonderful faces, wham, um, you can support us directly over on patreon.com slash space time taco. Uh, you can support us indirectly. Yeah. At twitch.tv slash spacetime taco. Uh, they take more of a percentage. Like, you have to, like, subscribe 80 times for us to even make a, a dollar. Um, fuck Twitch. Uh, and remember, if you have Twitch Prime, or if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. Or if you just have Twitch Prime, you get free subscription. Make us that. Make us that. We like you. We love you. Um, as well as, we have both a coffee link and a, a throne account. You can donate directly to us or buy us things directly because I don't know it's a nice thing to buy gifts for people right I don't know how that works anyway yes. if you want to follow us you can find us everywhere just search space time taco you can find me everywhere at time Lord burrito and you can find him only only on Instagram only on, only Instagram, on Instagram at a little teapot 89. Go inside and play video games. Nate, go to bed. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yes, it is. Jesus Christ. I'm going to go eat now. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.